welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, as usual, Jeff, joining me as usual from uh, the Seattle, Tacoma Regional Studios is my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, is it is it cooled down a little bit for you? Yeah, a very little bit. Uh, it's still nice and warm up here. Yeah, we're we're kind of in the Pacific Northwest, a little bit sweltering, but not as bad as earlier in the week. Okay. Uh, what we've got this week is one of our classic uh, Tales from the Dugout shows, where we've got a bunch of just smaller stories that aren't really worth a whole episode. So we're going to just go through those. I, it, it did occur to me that some of our listeners might not understand what exactly Tales from the Dugout is a play on it is the old eight was it was i think or no it was showtime wasn't it tales from the crypt showtime or hbo all right so let's get right into bp first of all i've actually got a lot of things here in bp um i found this so the the diamondbacks obviously they play in in chase field now it used to be a bank one ballpark retractable roof stadium just like i think there's five or six of now mark I think up there at, at T-Mobile, don't they play like uh, the 2001 Space Odyssey theme or something when they open the roof? Yes, I always feel like Ric Flair is about to appear. <laughs> well, get this. So the, the D-backs have a special, uh, some special music as well that was uh, created by three guys in a garage when they, when they heard that there was going to be a retractable dome in Arizona. And uh, this is something that they have been using ever since the Bank One ballpark opened. And it is uh, unique, to say the least. So this is five minutes long. So I'm not going to play you the whole, I'm just going to play you a couple parts of it. For me, if, if I am standing under a large retractable roof that starts moving, those are not really the sounds I want to hear. It does not <laughs> inspire confidence uh, that the mechanism oh. is working properly. I, I originally, the first time I heard it, thought of whale songs, but no, it's more just creepy, like low rent uh, haunted house or, or, you know, a knockoff Disneyland ride. But it gets better because, like I said, it's five minutes long. And it goes into this. Uh, well, I'm 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 just gonna gonna play some of it here so you can can understand. So that is a lot better. Um, it does give me a little, it d reminds me a little bit of Ross on the keyboard from Friends, you know, when he was experimenting with, uh, with the sounds on his keyboard. That kind of is kind of what that reminds me of. But it has also gotten stuck in my head and I, am, I have been singing this song for about a week now. So, warning. <laughs> Lucky, that's great, man. I mean, it's much better than having something by Ariana Grande in there. Yeah, shoot, I was going to name a song, but I can't off the top of my head. One less problem without about you. The 17? About one less problem without you. There you go. I will include a link to this so you can enjoy the whole five minutes. Actually, it's a little bit longer than five minutes if you want to. It's it's interesting. And if you're a professional wrestler, you can use it as an interesting. Or if you're a, a, a haunted house, you can use it as... as you can feel free. I'm sure it's royalty free. All right. Yeah. Uh, so I like uh, I like graphic novels. How about you? I do. Uh, I've read a few myself, and uh, I am a fan. Yeah, I, I generally uh, when I when I do read them, I it's, they're generally Star Wars, 
are, are what I read, but I found this one I might want to check out. It's called 100 Bullets. And it, it is a, from what I understand for this article, it is actually a, a serial, but they do have just standalone issues every now and then. Such was the case with issue number 27, which is very interesting, where an aging Joe DiMaggio admits that he was on the grassy knoll and shot JFK. Oh my gosh, it was Joe it DiMaggio? It was Joe DiMaggio. It was revenge for JFK ordering Marilyn Monroe to be assassinated in order to cover up their affair in the White House. So, Man, that sounds so realistic. Joe DiMaggio still had those, those feels <laughs> for Marilyn and uh, had, to, had to wreak some revenge. <laughs> so I don't know. I'll check it out. The, the whole series seemed interesting as it, you know, just from the description, but there was a baseball issue as well. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, that's cool. Uh, some history that happened this week, almost history-esque, like it, it was in the same vicinity. Uh, most home runs hit by left-handed batter in a single month in major league history. So Babe Ruth did it in September of 1927. He hit 17. Of course, 27 was the year he hit 60. Uh, Barry Bonds did it in May of 2001, where he went on to hit 73. And just last month, June, Kyle Schwarber hit 16. So he was one off. But does that wow. mean he is going to come close to setting the single season record? Because that's what happened the other two times. Ooh, good point. I like yeah, that. Kyle Schwarber may be writing history. So he didn't break that record, but Schwarbs did tie a record with Mark McGuire for most home runs in a month without hitting a single double. Wow. <laughs> That's weird. You would think that he would just maybe <laughs> miss one and hit it off the top of the wall, but no. Yeah, sure. So McGuire did that in May of 1987, in which he did not set the single season home run record. So maybe that's working against that Kyle Schwarber. That is a weird stat, yeah, dude. That is, that is real weird to not hit. It's 16 home runs and no doubles. And no triples, by the way. Just <laughs> believe it or not, Kyle Schwarber did not hit a triple. And I am just saying that. I did not look that up. I am going to assume. So take me to court if that indeed is incorrect. Uh, July 1st just came and passed last week. That, of course, is the annual Bobby Bonilla Day where he is paid $1.19 million by the Mets every year all the way up until he is 72 years old which will be in 2035 so that's great but I best retirement plan ever <laughs> but I did a little research because a lot of guys have this money that is deferred and you know yes. Bobby Benia has hasn't played for a while but when I went through this list I couldn't believe some of these names uh, Bruce Suter is still getting paid by the by, by Atlanta. That's amazing. He gets paid next year is the last year they're on the hook. He last played in 1988. Yeah, I was going to say he was an 80, mid 80s kind of <laughs> early to mid 80s kind of player. That is over 30 years ago was the last time he was playing in a in a major league game and he's still getting paid. Collecting them checks. Yeah. Todd Helton's still getting paid. Through 2023, he retired in 2013. Uh, Rafael Soriano, the Nats are paying him through 2024. He last played in 2015. D Ken Griffey Jr. Wow. is still getting paid for another two, three years by the Reds. And he last played in oh, 2010. Nice. A-Rod is still getting paid by the Yankees. Uh, he's been retired for five years. Manny Ramirez last played in 2011. He's still getting paid through 2026 by the Red Sox. Uh, another blast from the past. Brett Saberhagen is getting paid wow. through 2028 wow. by the Mets. The Mets love this deferred money thing. Man, I yeah, guess. Saberhagen last played in 2001. Matt Holliday getting paid by the Cards through 2029. And another name, another guy getting paid by the Mets still, Daryl Strawberry. He's getting paid wow. through 2033. Wow. And he last played wow. in 1999. 
That's crazy. That That's just bizarro. But as you say, the Mets apparently have this as part of their MO. Yeah, but what, what's weird is he last played, so he last played in the big leagues in 1999. He last played for the Mets in 1990. Oh, that's very so weird. So that is, yeah, that's that's really strange how he's still getting paid. Right, right he now. went to the Dodgers. That's funny. Yeah, real weird. And then, of course, he ended up, oh, he played one year in San Francisco. Do you remember that in 1994? I, I, I don't remember that. <laughs> and then he finished with his last five years in New York. Yes. So, wow. Wow. A lot of money. Yeah, so it is uh, time. I told you we're going to do this every week. It is time for our uh, weekly Lars Newt Bar update. We need a song. You know, if only we had anybody that knew how to compose music and could put together a jingle for us, that would be helpful. Because I, that'd be amazing. I mean, I could, <laughs> I could put something together as we heard from Second Best, but it's not going to be good. But let's. Uh, I, Lars has not got a lot of playing time this last week, so let's just take a quick peek. We are recording this on July. Fourth, and uh, the last game that Lars got into was June 30th, where he went 0 for 2. His average is now down to 160. His OPS is at 454. So, yeah, hmm. Lars. I'm predicting a big comeback from Mr. Nukbar. I, yeah, I, I mean, I can't tell here on Baseball Reference, but I just I don't know if he's even still up on the big league roster or not. We'll see. Well, we can yeah. hope. Large Newt Bar. So glad you brought up July 4th. Uh, they were recording this because uh, this is actually the anniversary of Lou Gehrig's amazing Luckiest Man on the Face of the Earth speech back in 1939. Yeah, Lou Gehrig Appreciation Day at Yankee Stadium, where uh, I, we mentioned this. Uh, we might have mentioned this in our very first episode two and a half years ago. His uh, number four uniform, the very first number to ever be retired by anybody. That's right. Of course, the Yankees have gone on to retire 729 since then. But uh, originally, Gehrig was not going to speak because he was too emotional. But uh, Yankee manager Joe McCarthy gave him a pep talk. And uh, then he delivered. I don't know if that was if the speech was off the cuff or not. I don't know. I Yeah, I don't know. I, I, he doesn't have any notes with him here when he's saying it. He's just got his hands in his back pockets. No hat on with his hair slicked back and uh, really an iconic, not just baseball, it's Americana right there. It's a good call that you brought Absolutely. that Yeah, 82 years ago. All right. A couple of other things I wanted to wanted to talk about here. Like I said, I get a lot of little things here. Mike Trout. So you heard of Mike Trout, right? Kind of good guy. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I know who that guy is. Well, he hasn't played in a baseball game since May 17th. So that's almost two right. months ago. He is still tied for the lead in the American League in intentional walks. <laughs> that's <laughs> that is incredible. So I, as I said, he's he's tied. He is not. He is no longer the sole uh, leader. But uh, Jose Ramirez, Shohei Otani, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. all have five, along with Mike Trout. <laughs> That is dangerous, incredible. man. Uh, let's go into our debut segment. The show is debuting on July 6th. There was not a whole heck of a lot going on in terms of debuts. Uh, Don Slot debuted Sluggo, one of our guys. But uh, I oh, wanted yeah. to uh, I saw this name and I, and I remembered this name. I wasn't really sure uh, how much I was going to get out of it. But Claude Osteen made his debut today in 1957 mm. for the Cincinnati Redlegs. That was one of the years they were the Redlegs. Oh, wow. Uh, and then uh, he went on to have a 18-year career. Most of it was spent in uh, Dodger Blue. He ended up with a 196 and 195 record. So, you know, just he was really a <laughs> almost an average pitcher, ERA plus of 104. So really right on that average line. But he went on to be a pitching coach. He did quite a few things uh, kind of looking through his Wikipedia page. But this is one one quote that I knew I needed to to mention. He said, quote, I'm not sure which is more insulting, being offered in a trade or having it be turned down. So he was uh, he well, I, he not was he is still alive. Uh, nicknamed Gomer, which is good. And looking at his picture, I think it, it suits him very well. 1965, he was a member of the Dodgers World Series team. 
he won double digits for let's see 10 years in a row he had double digit wins he also had double digits losses for 16 years in a row so (laughs) again like he was just right on that he was the epitome of a major league average pitcher yeah, and we're we're talking uh, a workhorse, obviously. If he's getting that many decisions, yeah. yeah. I mean, looking at uh, looking at games, ga- and he's a starter too. Games 40, 37, 36, 40, 30, 38, 39. I mean, he's he's making forty starts a year some years. Very impressive. Wow. Also, a three-time yeah. All Star for uh, Claude Gomer Osteen made his debut today. Let's jump into our trivia. Last week, I asked you a question. I thought this was a pretty fun question. Uh, we went over saves, how you how you accumulate them, and you were correct. I don't know why I had that brain uh, brain fart that the tying run can has to be in in the hole, not on deck. I don't know why I forgot that. Yes. But uh, you you were right there to to make sure I didn't get fined. And so my question was, who has been credited with a save in a game with the largest margin of victory did you come up with anything yes um i was thinking of my softball team but i don't think no saves i don't think there. it was that yeah, no saves in uh, in yeah. co-ed over 60 uh, softball leagues so actually got got a couple of answers uh, a couple of our usuals chris cook and uh, brian kraus both came up with the correct answer the final okay. score from August 22nd, 2007, the Texas Rangers defeat the Baltimore Orioles 30 to 3. Now, <laughs> obviously, this was not one of those uh, tying or winning run was in the hole kind of situations. Uh, so for the Rangers, Kaysen Gabbert, who I have never heard of, started the game. He went six. Let's see, when he left the game in the sixth inning, it was only 14 to 3. But uh, following that, the, the Rangers kicked it into gear. Wes Littleton, who likewise I have never heard of, came in and pitched the final three innings, holding the Orioles scoreless, giving up only two hits, and being credited with a three inning save when his team only won by 27 runs. Wow. You know, good thing he was there to, to Wait, stop this the bleeding. Is what is incredible here for the Orioles, the Orioles, four pitchers only pitched. Daniel Cabrera was the starter. He went five and gave up six earned runs. Brian Burris came in and, you know, he did you know what in the bed. He went two-thirds of an inning, gave up eight earned runs. Then Rob Bell came in for an inning and a third. He gave up seven earned runs. And then Paul Shuey had to take one for the team. He pitched the final two innings and gave up nine earned runs. All 30 runs were earned. But what's really interesting, no position players pitching, which would have happened in like the sixth inning of this game. Yeah. Today. But you yeah, this was this was only in 2007. It's not like we're watching black and white film of this game, but no right. position players. That's crazy. The Rangers hit 11 home runs in this game. And get this, the, the bottom two, uh, the, the eight and nine batters in the order Jared Saltalamacchia and Ramon Vasquez, they went 8 for 12 with 14 RBIs and 4 home runs between them. That, that is pretty good, good bottom-of-the-order production right there. Uh, time of game, 3 hours and 21 minutes, which is not bad considering the 33 runs were scored. <laughs> 29 hits. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that must have been fun for the scorers. Let me tell you. Uh, now I do need to hand out a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, kangaroo court action going on here because Brian Krause sent us an email. Brian Krause, who sends us these these direct messages that that tell us the answers to most of the trivia questions, he's bringing up Kurt Bavakwa again. Bavakwa, the curse of the show. The, the you're I would call him from now on Paulson's bane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am not a fan of Bavakwa. I'm on Tommy Lasorda's side at this point. Uh, but here's the thing, Brian. Bringing up past errors by the judge in a kangaroo court is grounds for an immediate fine. And we're also going to have to strip you of your correct answer for this week, which you got correct. But it's wiped Whoa. from the books. Yeah. Is, is there an appeal process, Jeff? Oh, sure there is. But you're going to get a triple fine 
if if you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you've been it's in one a, of those uh, Soviet been, Union kind of courts. You've been in a baseball clubhouse kangaroo court before. Yeah, there's no Nothing appeals process. Yeah, you're, you're, you take it. All right, I got a new trivia question. This is a good one. I don't know, and obviously there you can go to baseball reference and find this out pretty easily, but I, I would ask that maybe, you know, go ahead and do that, but maybe try and get it before that. Number three. Babe Ruth, retired. One of those two, 754 uh, retired numbers the Yankees have. Babe Ruth, number three. Well, you know, Babe Ruth was not the, the last Yankee to wear number three. Who was? Ooh, mm, that's a tough one. That um, is a real, I think it's a real tough I hope so. one. <laughs> I'm going to be impressed. I'm going to be impressed someone comes up with that. Who wore number three after Babe Ruth for the New York Yankees? All right, that's going to do it for our BP segment. We're going to let the ground screw come out and do their stuff. And Mark, let's jump into a couple of quicker stories here, and then we'll get on to Wax Packs Heroes. So why don't you uh, why don't you lead us off? So I was reading up about uh, Joe DiMaggio. He's kind of my latest uh, target of, of study. And uh, everybody knows about the 56-game hitting streak, or at least you should. Um, 56 straight games, getting a hit. Uh, a record by a long shot. And I started wondering, how did that streak end? Was there anything special about that? So I did a little research and found out that we can, well, you can either credit or you can blame a guy named Kenny Keltner. Now, Kenny Keltner was a third baseman for the Cleveland Indians, a seven-time All-Star, uh, a good player in his own right. Here's what happened. July 17th is when the streak came to an end. And there was a crowd of 67,000 people in Cleveland, and it was the biggest attendance. I thought I'd include this because I found that interesting. It was the largest attendance at any baseball game that whole season. Al Smith is pitching for Cleveland. DiMaggio comes up for his first at bat. Tommy Heinrich's on second base. The, the baselines are a little bit wet from some weather earlier in the day. So DiMaggio hits Al Smith's second pitch, smashes it down the third base line, past the bag. Keltner dives for it, comes up, throws a perfect throw to first, and gets DiMaggio out. Fourth inning comes around. And what happens? DiMaggio walks, of course, because, you know, he didn't care about the streak. He just wanted to get on base. Um, the seventh inning, again, Keltner makes a sensational play and dives almost into foul territory, comes up with the ball, throws out DiMaggio at first by a step. DiMaggio got up one more time. Bases were loaded, and he got up, and he hit this ball just a rocket squarely. It was a one-hopper right to the shortstop, though, Lou Bordreau. Bordreau took the ball and turned it into a 6-4-3 inning-ending double play. No more bat, no more at bats for DiMaggio that game, and that's how the streak ended. So thanks a lot, Kenny Keltner. It could have gone on. DiMaggio after that had 17 more games with a where he hit safely. So if it weren't for Kenny Keltner, it could be an even bigger record than it is now. Attendance six sixty seven thousand four hundred sixty eight, like you said. The game before fifteen thousand. Like, Weird. Who's not showing up the day before during this streak? Or was it like 10 cent beer night? Could be. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it was a bobblehead night of Kenny Kiltner. (laughs) (laughs) That is weird. Because Luke, okay, it's this iconic Yankee team. He is in the middle of this historic hit streak. And only 15,000 people show up. He gets Man. it. He, he goes three for four, whatever. That, and then the next day, everyone in Cleveland's like, oh, now I got to be there. What is up with that? That is so weird. That's I have no idea. That's very strange. Let's see what the next game, the next game, they were still in Cleveland, 18,000. So then, then everybody was like, it's over. It's not even worth going. And Bob Feller <laughs> threw a complete game one run win to go 19 and four. I, I knew Feller was on the mound the next day, and DiMaggio had uh, hit safely off of him previously during the streak. So who knows what would have happened that next yeah. day? Well, he went two for four, and and the in Cleveland is fifty one and thirty five at this point. They're they're a really good club. Is League Park like the the Ring Central Coliseum, and just nobody wants to go, regardless of how good the team is? That's I don't know. Weird. Maybe. Yeah. Very yeah. strange. Okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit of Bo Jackson. So obviously, Bo Jackson, there are legends that surround Bo Jackson 
commercial-wise, obviously, Bo knows. Football, obviously, he had some iconic moments while playing in the NFL. And then also just being a incredible baseball player as well. And, of course, he, he went to school at Auburn, like Frank Thomas. But unlike, well, you know what? Didn't Frank Thomas play football at Auburn, too? I think he did. If he um, didn't, something's wrong. I, I'm pretty sure he did. But uh, at Auburn, Bo was regarded at that point, <laughs> shockingly enough, as the best pure athlete in America. He won the Heisman Trophy as a senior, and he hit 401 with 17 homers as a junior, and he qualified for the 100-meter dash uh, final, uh, NCAA final, during both his freshman and sophomore years with the track team. So fall of 1980. Hold on a second, man. That's insane. That's just a pure athlete. Jeez. I, I, this, I mean, obviously, if, 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 if nobody, you know, if you got into baseball or you're younger and you never got to see Bo play football or baseball, I mean, you just can't grasp how athletic he was. But I got I got some other things to tell you here that's really cool. So fall of 1989, okay. Bo's 26, and he is filming segments for his very first Bo Knows Nike ad, which, again, is just one of these iconic ads, uh, ad campaigns for, for Nike and Bo Jackson. He's throwing down dunks in the auxiliary gym for the basketball segment of the commercial. And during a break... He saw a place down the hall that two of his sons might enjoy, the university pool. So he's got his two little kids with him. So they're on a break, so he takes him down to the pool. And what's going on at the pool? Well, the Auburn diving team is holding a practice. So Bo, you know, asked the coach very respectfully, like the guy's Bo Jackson. He could own this school. I mean, he could he do whatever he wants. But he, he goes up and he asks the kids, you know, the, the coach, hey, can my kids swim at the other end? And yeah, sure, go ahead, Bo. So Bo's watching his kids and watching these divers. And Bo finally goes over to the coach and says, hey, do you can, can I try diving? <laughs> I want to dive. So you don't tell Bo no. Uh, so he goes up there. And the, everybody's just, you know, it's like a record scratch and everything stops. Everyone's looking at Bo. He heads to the end of the board and he jumps up. You know, he knows what he's doing, obviously. You know how divers run and they jump and then they land on the board once and then that springs them up. So he goes and he does this and the board tips all the way down where it touches the water because he's a big dude, too. And he just jumped probably pretty high. So he goes back up. And into the air he goes. And this is coming from the diving coach, Rick Theobald. Bo shoots back up, does a two and a half tuck, which is two full front flips, and lands in a dive in the water. Now, I don't know how perfect it was. I don't know if maybe it wasn't a whole two and a half. I don't know. Does it matter? This is incredible because he's obviously done something where he's done a dive before and he didn't go up there and just like jump off and dive into the water he did like a full-on like semi-competitive dive and everybody was amazed because Bo can do freaking everything at least so Bo knows diving but I didn't know that Bo knew diving that was not part of the commercials ever (laughs) it was Bo knows diving I remember that commercial where uh Wayne they showed Wayne Gretzky and because uh, they showed Bo out on the ice, and, uh, and then they showed Wayne Gretzky, and he just goes, "No." <laughs> <laughs> I think the one I remember most is with Bo Diddley, because because the tagline yeah. is "Bo don't know Diddley." That's right. All right, you got another one. I was going to tell a little story about a guy by the name of Tim Bus, not Timothy Busfield. Very different. Tim Bus. He was a uh, coach for for Joe Madden in Chicago and then he now is with Joe Madden in Anaheim. Okay. So Tim Bus is known as a really fun dude and and he's strength and conditioning and getting guys into <laughs> into strengthening and, and conditioning. Yes. He uh <laughs> both, you know, after games he does the conditioning and before he does the strength. I don't know. I made that up. But what anyway, about, you know, he does the conditioning when they're washing their hair. That that <laughs> now that's a little known fact that strength and conditioning coaches uh, are, the, the conditioning is actually follically, it, it, it's with the hair. So the, the players decide they're going to play a trick on him. This is 2008, and he's with the Cubs. in spring training in uh, Mesa, Arizona. 
So this uh, this wrecked up 1995 Nissan Sentra uh, is out in the parking lot. Third baseman Aramis Ramirez points out to uh, Tim Buss, hey, why is your car over there? Isn't that your car? And he looks over and he goes, no, that's not my car. And he takes a second look and he goes, wait a minute, dude, that's my car. <laughs> so they go over to it and the windows are mashed out. The body is beat to snot. The, you know, he's, he's going, who, who did this? Who did this? It's all beaten with baseball bats. He's got a few guys in mind that may have pulled this off, right? And uh, so John Lieber, who's in on this, says, man, that's just a shame. What are you going to tell your wife? And he's just he's stunned. So Ryan Dempster finally says he's in on this thing, obviously. And he says, come on, let's go back into the weight room. They go into the weight room, and he hands Tim Buss the keys to a new Nissan Xterra. Players all pitched in for this $25,000 SUV. And uh, he, uh, the, the article I read said he was at once, or for once, he was speechless. So they beat the crap out of his car and then just showed it to him. Look, I, I've never heard of anybody doing that before. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> so they didn't just like park it in left field during BP or something. Right. But, like try it like you hitting the golf, uh, the, the ball <laughs> retrieval cart at the yeah. top golf or something. But, <laughs> the, the, there have been some good practical jokes with cards in the major or cars in the major leagues. And I, I thought that one was pretty awesome. Yeah, I, we we've talked about the Derek Bell one, right? When he was a rookie with the, with the Blue Jays, and he had just bought this new Ford Explorer, which of course was like the SUV to have at that point, and he had rims, special rims on it, and you know he had it really tricked out. It was a lot of custom work. Getting ready to start a game at Sky Dome and. Uh, here comes Joe Carter driving that out into the outfield and they make an announcement over the PA to enter the uh, the contest to win Derek Bell's Ford Explorer. <laughs> and Derek Bell is yep. just his mouth is just wide open and he has no idea what's going on. Yeah, I remember the look on his face, seeing the video and the look on his face was outstanding. All right, so I got a short one here, and then uh, then maybe we'll get into some wax packs, heroes. So let's go back to 1968 spring training. Rookie catcher Johnny Bench. He's oh, behind yeah, the plate. I've heard of him. Yeah, you won't believe it, but I know who he is. <laughs> yeah, and if you, if you watch, uh, if you have MLB.tv, you can watch him uh, do Blue Emu commercials every <laughs> right. every break. Having cheeseburgers in his hand, that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's behind the plate, and Jerry Arrigo is on the mound. Uh, and and uh, Jerry Arrigo at this point has been around for a couple of years. Uh, Bench continuously calling for breaking balls, and Arrigo continuously shaking him off. Frustrated, Bench heads out there to the uh, to the mound where he says, just straight up, he says, your fastball's not popping, which I guess is pretty cool lingo at 68. Arrigo, also equally as blunt, and especially when there's a rookie up there telling him, Said some words that I cannot, uh, that I'm not going to repeat on this podcast. It said, get your ass back behind the plate. So in Arrigo's eight years in the big leagues at this point, he had exactly one winning season and had never struck out 100 batters in a season. But Bench, being the rookie, turns back, goes back, gets down behind the plate, and he calls for a curve. Of course, Jerry shakes him off. Bench gives in, signals for a fastball. Arrigo throws it. Before the pitch reaches the plate, Bench drops his glove and catches the ball barehanded. Now, <laughs> this, the point. this again is a story. It's a great story. I do not know if it is true or not, but <laughs> that is definitely one way to get your point across that your fastball is not really working for you right now. <laughs> That is awesome. Jerry Arrigo uh, ended up with 10 years in the big leagues. Most of it was in Cincinnati. 35 and 40 mark overall, 414 ERA, and an ERA plus of 86. Yeah, I mean, you know, I understand, though. At that point, he had a couple years in the big leagues, and there's here's this rookie catcher coming out telling him, your fastball is not good. I can understand so, that he wouldn't like that. So whatever happened to that catcher, the, the bench dude, did he turn out okay? Yeah, he went on to be a, a spokesperson for, for Blue, e Blue Emu. Oh, well, that's good. At least he got some work. I think we really need to get a hold of uh, the baseball bunch and just do a watch along oh, of, of those. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be, that'd be fun. Let's, let's mark that down. All right. I like it. 
Let, uh, let's wrap it up here and let's get ready for Wax Packs Heroes. Now, Mark, we've been playing quite a few exhibition games here, and I think we really need to nail down some rules in the next week or so so we can start the next season. Uh, you are the two-time defending champ, and I really want to get that title from you. So yeah. uh, we, we really do need to, to think about these, uh, these rules. But uh, until then, let us just continue to go along with what we're doing. I think we're going to add a new rule this week, though, just to kind of play with it. And uh, so let's head into our most popular segment. It is time for Wax Packs Heroes. If you're new here, this is the segment of the show where we open up a couple of packs of old baseball cards, and then uh, using the year of the cards that they're from, we look at each player's baseball reference war. We uh, add that up. We've got a couple of different ways that you can uh, score some extra points. If you're sporting a mustache, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If it's a really good one, you're going to get two tenths of a point. If you're wearing anything uh, around your eyeballs, uh, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war because... That's just what we do. Uh, if you're wearing real stirrups that we can see a sanitary sock underneath it, you're going to get a tenth of a point of war. But if you are wearing the two-in-ones, uh, we are going to minus a tenth of a point of war because we do not like that. And if you are wearing sweatbands of any sort that have a caricature of yourself, your jersey number, or a corporate logo other than a sporting goods store, we're going to give you an extra tenth of a point of war. And if you're in the Hall of Fame, you get a whole point of war. Now, I thought this was uh, something that it was passed along to us by a listener. I thought it was a good thing. Uh, maybe we should start adding points that if in the year that we are looking at, you are an all-star, you get like mm. half a point of war. If you are an MVP or a Cy Young winner, you get a whole point of war. I like that. Li likewise, rookie of the year. Okay. One suggest another suggestion was any black ink, but I think that might, you know, some, some guys have a really big year. You can get it some some big numbers with that. So let's just yeah, play yeah. around with it. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking that maybe we'll end up dropping uh, maybe a mustache or maybe anything but flip down sunglasses as we move forward. But again, <laughs> just just tr just pulling these, trying to come up with some. All right, so I've got a couple of 1991 Donruss, so the ugliest wax packs ever with this tan uh, packaging. But Mark, I've got one in my left and one in my right hand. Which one would you like to go with, sir? I'm going right hand. Okay, so let us... I'm going to have you go first as usual because I like to be the home team. And we're going to open up this pack with a Willie Stargell puzzle piece. Pieces 52, 53, and 54 if you need them. Go ahead, call our 800 number, and I'll be sure to get those right in the mail to you. All right, we're going to start off here with a pitcher for the Bucks, Bob Patterson. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Bobby was a lefty. Bobby was a lefty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 13 years in the big leagues because, as I said, he's a lefty. Starting pitcher most of his career. No, no. Let me rephrase that in the uh, in the form of he did not start uh, any. Well, he started 21 games in 13 years, but mainly a reliever with uh, 28 saves. So almost as many saves uh, as games started. But in 1991, he was with Pittsburgh. He went four and three with a 4.11 uh, ERA. That's an 88 ERA plus, and that equates to a WAR of minus 0.1. Somehow. Thanks, uh, Patterson. He, he does have real stirrups, though, so you're going to be... Okay, gonna be oh, he's that got that. a mustache, too. No, nah, look at this. He's got a mustache. I did not see that. So you're going you're gonna to be in the positive there with a point one. Yay! Right Might be enough to win. <laughs> okay, so this I, I've never heard this. During his career, his nickname was the Glove Doctor. See, now, I would have gone with the Doctor of Glove because yeah. that, that's so much better. Uh, and the reason, because players even from opposing teams would bring their broken gloves to patterson to have him repair them he would often do this in the bullpen during games <laughs> he funny. would use coat hangers tongue depressors and extra leather all right on. i don't want to waste a good glove <laughs> no all right so you're at point one here we go God, this guy I, I, maybe one of our rules is if you've got a song that you have sung you get extra points as well because here is el gasolino Senor Smoke, Juan Berenguer. Gotta love Juan Berenguer. Senor Smoke, what a name. I like that. So nice. He had to make a music video about it. That's right. All right. So uh, Juan Berenguer, we've spoken at length about before. 1991 was uh, a year he spent in Atlanta. 
He went 0-3, but he had an ERA of 2.24, appeared in 49 games, had 17 saves, and a 176 ERA+. plus. So I think that's going to help you out there. That is a 2.5 war. He's got real stirrups, and of course he's got a mustache. So that's a plus 2.7 for you. You know, Juan Berenguer, actually, when I was 10 years old, uh, pitched a full season for the back then the Tacoma Twins, I believe they were. Is that I remember that it very well. Before you were a, a bat boy, though. That's before bat boyism. Yeah. All right, next you have got catcher for the Phillies. Here it is, Steve Lake. Steve Lake, uh, sometimes starter, a lot of time backup. So Steve Lake, 11 years in the big leagues. Uh, you got it right on there. Is the, the most games he ever appeared in in a season was 74 with the Cardinals in 87. In 91, he was with the Phillies. Ended up not much offense, a 47 OPS plus, but uh, he was not there for the bat. A war of minus 0.6. Good. Now, he has got a good mustache there, though, so that'll help you out. I'll give you two-tenths of a point there. So that's only a minus 0.4. Only? Yeah, that'll take you down to 2.4. Oh, of course, you know, Steve had one of those classic baseball cards, the 91 Studio uh, set, where he had his bird with him, Ruffles. Man. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's a, that's a classic. That's just a classic set, but I think that's one of those cards that most people remember from that set even more. All right, next we've got a pitcher, one of the good buddies of Don August who we've had on the show. It's Mark Knutson. I know not enough about him to say anything. So uh, no nickname listed. I could come up with several for, for Mark Knutson just because of that K. He's a pitcher and his last name starts with a K. I mean, you should be able to come up with something. Yeah, He was a brewer, right? Yeah, for most of his career. Six of his eight years, he was in Milwaukee. 1991, not so great. One and three with a 7.97 ERA. That equates to a war of minus 0.9. He does have two and ones, but he's got a mustache. So that'll still just be a minus 0.9, and you're headed in the wrong direction here. I'll tell you what, man. 0.5. If if when I, in 91, if I had bought this pack and gotten all these players, I don't think I'd be real happy with what's going on here. (laughs) Well, you know, we're, we're just we're just starting off here. Here we got a guy. This will probably get you some some points here. A left-handed closer from the Mets who was, uh, I believe he was born in Brooklyn. And uh, it's John Franco. One of the rare left-handed closers you see. But Franco was uh, had a very successful career. Yeah, little guy too. 5'10". Of course, he had a mustache too because he always had that mustache. Uh, 1991 went 5-9, 2.93 ERA, 30 saves. He led the league three times in saves. Wow. He appe- he was a, in the big leagues for 21 years. Wow. He retired at the age of 44 in 2005. In 1991, that equates to a war of only .1. He does have two and ones, unfortunately, <laughs> but he's got a mustache. I'll give you two-tenths of a point on the mustache because I'm feeling generous today. That'll bring you up to 1.7. I believe his father was a, a, fire, a New York firefighter, too, because uh, the, in 2001, I remember he, yeah, his father, Jim Franco, was a, uh, or no, Department of Sanitation. I remember he worked. That's what my dad did. My dad was a garbage man for 35 years, back when you had to lift the cans. Ugh. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, well, here you got a Diamond Kings card. These are always good. Here you've got Big Daddy. So Cecil... In uh, 1991, he played in every single game of the year. He led the league in home runs, and he led the league in RBIs. He came in second in the MVP voting for the second year in a row, and he was an all-star. So we're going to give you an extra uh, half of a point of war right off the bat for this. He's also got a mustache, so you're already racking up some points. OPS plus of 133 this year, and that is a war of 3.8, so that's 4.4 with all of the additions in there. Hey, a positive number. That's great. So that'll bring you up to 6.1. Next, you've got a catcher for the Kansas City Royals. This guy was around for quite a while. Also a member of the A's at one point, Mike McFarlane. Oh, sure. Uh, Mike McFarlane played in the big leagues for 13 years, 11 of which were with Kansas City. Spent half a year, or no, just one year in Boston. And then his final two years in Oakland in 1991, a pretty good numbers for a catcher, 13 home runs, 41 RBIs, 41 RBI, a 128 OPS plus, And that equals a war of 2.7. Nothing on this card, though, is going to get you anything else. He's got eye black, which might be something we could consider in the future. But 
Mm, yes. Or maybe we just consider that part of glasses. Anything around your eyes, like eye black. Maybe that's where we where we move on for there. Mm, yeah, maybe. Okay, next you've got, uh, oh, this is good. It is outfielder Marquise Grissom. Easter. Uh, this was so fun to watch. Uh, Marquise Grissom in 1990, uh, 1991. It was only his third year in the big leagues. With Montreal, he spent 17 years uh, in the majors, six of which were with Montreal. In 91, he led the league in stolen bases with 76. The next year, he did as well with 78. See, the on-base, not that great, only at 310. Mm. So, yeah, that's not spectacular. But uh, 93 OPS+, and this equals a 2.7 war. Uh, He's got real stirrups on, so that's good. He usually had a mustache, but I cannot see it here, so... You're going to get a positive 2.8 out of that. Or, uh, yeah, Another 2. positive. Yep, that'll bring you up to 11.6. Next, we've got a guy uh, who, you know, we, we've talked about before. I don't think we've ever really expressed how good he was for a portion of his career. It's Chet Lemon with the Tigers. Chet Lemon, yeah. Yeah, what, what, it was like early 80s that he was just like ridiculous. Yeah, three-time All-Star. He was on that 84 uh, World Series team with Detroit. Came up with Chicago. Good numbers, a career 273 average, career 121 OPS plus, and got hit by a lot of pitches. It was a three-time All-Star. Unfortunately, 1991, uh, 1990 was his final year in the big leagues. So <laughs> nothing there, but he's got a mustache and he's got real stirrups in this picture. So he's going to at least get you two-tenths of a point, bring you up to 11.8. He was uh, he was quite a good ball player. You're right. We haven't really uh, touched on the talent this guy had. All right. So you are at 11.8. Next, uh, we've got one of those guys that unfortunately passed away in a boating accident. It is pitcher for the Dodgers, Tim Cruz. Yeah, sad story we've discussed before. You know, it just, it, it's just a freak. It's a terrible accident. I believe that three, weren't three players killed in this? Steve Olin, and I don't remember who else. Um, so I don't, so Steve Olin also passed away. I guess Bob Ojeda had serious head injuries with them. Oh, jeez. So I think it was just two, and then and then Bobby Ojeda. Yeah, but uh, let's see. Tim Cruz in uh, 1991 went two and three with a 3.43 ERA and a 105 ERA plus, and uh, that equates to a WAR of 0.9. Not bad. He's got a good mustache. I'm going to give you two tenths of that, two tenths for that one. But he also has uh, two and ones, so uh, that'll get you an even 1.0. I'll bring you up to 12.8. Uh, next, you've got an all-star. It's a good all-star to have. It's Cal Ripken. Yeah, he's pretty good, I hear. Yeah, it's a, it's an all-star card, I should say that. Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer. Yes. So you might be getting some, some real good points out of this one. So let's see. In 1991, MVP year for Cal Ripken. Beyond your full, tenth, your full point for being a Hall of Famer, you get a full point for being an MVP. Also an all-star that year. Um, wow. can't tell if he's wearing stirrups or not because of the logos on this card, but a good year, as you can imagine, if you win MVP slashed 323, 374, 566, a 162 OPS plus 34 home runs, 114 RBI and six stolen bases for Cal Ripken. Wow. Um, in 717 plate appearances, he mm. only struck out 46 times and walked 53. Jeez, that's impressive. Wow, I mean, his highest strikeout year was 78, and that was when he was 35 years old. Wow. I, I never I realized. Didn't realize. What it, <laughs> or, no, uh, no, I, let me take that back. I didn't look at the beginning of his career. He struck out 97 times in his third year in uh, 1983, but also that was another uh, MVP year for him. So. <laughs> Let's see here. So you've got 2.1 war just going into this before we even look at his war for the year. And his war was 11.5. So that is a 13.6. You have more than doubled your score with that one card. I like that. That, I like this because you're rewarding him for having a good year. That's that's good. That's good. And and it's, I guess, the key to to winning Wax Packs Heroes, if I win, (laughs) is uh, getting that that year's MVP. Because he's going to have ridiculous numbers. Whatever happens, you can retire. Uh, because <laughs> you, my friend, have just pulled a Phil Plantier rookie card. No way. Yep. Right here. So this is, you can you can hang it up and just live uh, the life of Riley. Isn't that, a, I think that's a phrase. Uh, 1991, Phil Plantier. 
spent 53 games in the big leagues, came in eighth in the rookie of the year, had 11 home runs, 35 ribs, 331, 420, 615 slash for a 178 OPS plus. That's a 2.2 war, and he's got real stirrups on, so that's a plus 2.3, plus just the the money value of this card. Well, you (laughs) remember about Phil Plantier? He used to hit out of this insane little crouch. Yeah, yeah, it was like he was sitting. He was like sitting on a stool when he would be kind of like Bagwell. It's a you said it. You were right. Pete Rose, Jeff Bagwell, Phil Plantier is kind of the 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 thing we're going for there. All right, so you're up to 28.7, and now this is coincidence. Because we already had Tim Cruz, we got a Steve Olin card too. Oh, that's really weird. Yeah, that is uh, that's kind of strange. So we won't go into a whole bunch of that again. We've already covered that uh, quite a bit uh, five minutes ago. Uh, Steve Olin in 1991 went three and six with a 3.36 for Cleveland. Uh, that equates a to a WAR of 0.7, uh, and he's got real stirrups on, so he'll help you out there, bring you up to a 0.8. That is a 29.5. You've got two cards left here. Your first one is outfielder for the Astros, Eric Anthony. Eric Anthony was a huge uh, prospect for a while. He never really panned out. I remember him hitting a bunch of home runs in the minors. Let's see. He, uh, you know, he had some decent pop in the big leagues as well. Came up in 89, nine years in the big leagues, five with Houston. In 1991, he only got into 39 games, a 33 OPS plus and a minus 0.7 war. Uh, he does have a mustache, though, so that'll only be a minus 0.6 for you. So so looking at Eric Anthony here, he hit in the years 88 and 89 in the minor leagues between single A and triple A. He hit 60 home runs. Yeah, that is a good production, yeah. 29 <laughs> and 31. And I remember just buying up this guy's cards because he was an Astro, and wow, he hit 60 home runs in two years. That didn't pay off. Well, you know, he had nine years in the big leagues. Uh, I, I, I will take that happily. Okay. Yeah, me too. Believe me. All right. And we go on to your final card, who is definitely not a Hall of Famer. And I think we mentioned him a, a couple of shows ago because we weren't familiar with Wayne Edwards, pitcher for the pitcher for the White Sox. Yeah, you're right. I'm not familiar. <laughs> uh, Wayne Edwards, three years in the big leagues. 91 was his uh, final. All of them were with the White Sox. He went 0-2, an ERA plus of 105. And a war of minus 0.3. He does have a mustache, so that'll only be a minus 0.2. And that will take your total to 28.7. Thank you, Cal Ripken Jr. Yeah, you definitely thank Cal Ripken, because without him, that would have been a very lackluster pack. Yeah, he was my one guy. Thank you, Cal. Yeah, you know, right around 30 is where we average out. Maybe 28 or 29 is where we average out, which is right where you landed. So, yeah. Yep, makes sense. All right, so we're going to jump on over to my pack now and uh, see what I can come up with. Again, we've got the uh, Willie Stargell Pops, 46, 47, 48. Let us know if you need it. All right, right into it. We've got uh, first baseman for the Detroit Tigers. He's got a mustache. His name is Dave Bergman. I remember him. I do as well. He's in a, he's in a I don't want to say famous, but it's a Topps card I remember where he is on deck and Cecil Fielder is uh, about to go into a slide while uh, Pudge... Not Pudge Rodriguez, but uh, Carlton Fisk is about to catch the ball at home plate, and uh, Bergman is telling uh, Big Daddy to get down. I don't know why I remember that, but I do. Uh, Dave Bergman played in the big leagues for 17 years. Not bad work. I think we'd know him a little more. (laughs) Uh, 1991, he was 38 years old, still appeared in 86 games, and had an OPS plus of 108. And that equates to a war of 0.8, and he's got that mustache. So I'm going to start out in the positive, which is a rarity, at 0.9. Just does not happen to me usually. All right, so this is this is interesting. This is uh, coming from Sparky Anderson, who recalled a game uh, that Bergman was in in June 4th, 1984. It was the bottom of the 10th inning, two runners on, two outs against the Toronto Blue Jays who uh, were, were trailing the Tigers by five games in the standings. Bergman fouled off seven pitches, and on a full count, the 13th pitch of the at-bat, hit a blast into the upper deck of Tiger Stadium for a walk-off three-run home run. It was wow. a, a seven-minute at-bat that he ended up on top of and ended up with a walk-off three-run job. So that had to have been an incredible feeling to find off that much. No kidding. That's amazing. So I'm at point nine. Next, uh, this guy had some good power years, specifically, I think, with the Reds. But here he is with the Dodgers, Cal Daniels. 
Oh, sure. Cal Daniels, Cal with a K. Yep. And uh, pretty good defensively and, and a pretty good hitter, too, if I remember right. He was a good ball player. Yeah, used to wear some uh, some transition glasses, but not in this picture, uh, not on this card. 1991, he spent the whole year in L.A., uh, had 17 homers, 73 RBI, uh, 108 OPS+, plus, and that equals a war of 1.0. He does have a mustache, so I will take that as a 1.1, and that'll take me up to an even 2 after a couple of cards. Uh, he had a career on-base percentage of 382. Not wow. bad. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, next, uh, I've got a pitcher for Cleveland. He did not die in a boating accident, which is a rarity when we get a Cleveland pitcher in these packs. It is mm-hmm. Colby Ward. Yeah, me either. Yeah. I, <laughs> for getting a baseball card um, and going, Colby Ward, who's Colby Ward? But that's <laughs> uh, about it. Colby Ward went to BYU. So I, I, guess, I guess our former guest, uh, Vance Law, has probably heard of him. Uh, only played one year in the big leagues, and that was in 90. So I am going to get absolutely butt kiss out of that one. Thanks a lot, Colby. Okay, my next uh, card is an outfielder for the Astros. We've mentioned it before. His mother played on the uh, in the uh, professional women's baseball league during World War II. It is Casey Candell. Yes, uh, Casey. Wasn't he kind of a utility guy? Let's see, Casey Candell. Yeah, you look at these positions played, and it is like somebody threw up numbers: four, seven, <laughs> nine, six, eight, five. Seven five, yeah. He played, uh, never caught. I'm not sure if he pitched. Uh, nope, never pitched. So yeah, just played everywhere except for uh, catcher and pitcher. In 1991, he was with Houston, 151 games, uh, 98 OPS plus, and that equals a WAR of 1.9. And uh, not going to get anything else from that card. That'll bring me up to 3.9. I'm staying in the positive, but I'm just not getting any kind of big chunks. Yeah, you need uh, you need the MVP. Yeah, I really do. Uh, we've talked about uh, we've talked about it before about his mother and, and her role and inspiration mm-hmm. in a league of their own. So we will move on. Uh, I've got a Diamond Kings card. This one is a uh, steroid user, uh, Roger Clemens, here with the Boston Red Sox. The the rocket who ran on special rocket fuel. <laughs> Definitely had his own uh, fuel, that is for sure. Let's see, 1991. Let's see if he can get me a... Uh, uh, I, so I, I didn't get the MVP, but I got the Cy Young Award winner from that okay, year. Okay, see? Here <laughs> you go. Also, it was an all-star that year. And the amount of black ink on this year is incredible. He went 18-10 and 10 with a 2.62 ERA. Four shutouts, 13 complete games. That's nice. Led the league in innings pitched and strikeouts. And ERA plus with a 165, that equals a war of 7.9. He was the Cy Young Award winner, so that's 8.9 plus an all-star. Brings me up to 9 even on that one. Wow. Not as good as your Ripken, but I'll I'll take it. That takes me up to 12.9. Not bad. Got to kind of put an asterisk by him, though, but not bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, next we've got a guy. This was, uh, boy, he was really good for the White Sox. He was good for the Yankees, and he, I remember, I don't know if it's been broken, at one point had the longest hitting streak in NCAA baseball when he played at Oklahoma State. It's Robin Ventura. Ventura had a lot of hype about him coming up, and he lived up to every ounce of it. Well, I'm, I'm proud of myself there. I just Those things I just rattled off were off the top of my head, and I did <laughs> not mention that charging at Nolan Ryan. <laughs> Until now. Right. <laughs> uh, 91. This was his third year in the big leagues, his second full year, slash 284, 367, 442, not bad for a 126 OPS plus, and that equals a war of 5.3. He has got Whoa. real strips on as well, so that's a 5.4. That's almost as good as the Clemens card. <laughs> Man. That is uh, 18.3, which I will take all day. Yikes. All right. Okay. Here we go with a second baseman for the Reds. Uh, I remember he was on the 90 Reds and uh, did some damage in the World Series against Oakland. It's Mariano Duncan. Yeah, Duncan was always a pretty good hitter, whether he was playing shortstop for the Dodgers, playing for the Reds or whatever. Uh, he was always a good ball player. Yep. Uh, Dunk or Dunky. That's <laughs> a real clever nickname. <laughs> Dunky. Dunky. Yep, you said it. Uh, 17 years in the big leagues, most of it with the Dodgers and the Reds. Also four years with the Phillies. In uh, 91... Uh, he played everywhere, just about. Uh, played in quite a few positions. Ended up with a 92 OPS plus, and that equals a WAR of minus point three. 
donkey. Nice going. Uh, he does have that real happened. stirrups, though, so that'll only be a minus point two. Huh. Must have. Uh, he must have played everywhere, but uh, maybe not well everywhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Next, do we get extra points if they are the father of a, a well-known baseball player today? Absolutely not. <laughs> but we have <laughs> Cecil already, and now we've got Dante Bichette. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah, he's got some kid somewhere playing ball, doesn't he? Yeah, he certainly does. Came up with the Angels, then uh, spent some time with Milwaukee, probably best known for his years in Colorado. In 1991, it was his first year in Milwaukee. Uh, had some pop, uh, 15 home runs, 59 RBI, but only an 84 OPS plus, And that equates to a war of minus 0.5. He's got real stirrups, but that's it. So now I'm going in the wrong direction here. That will uh, take me down to 17.7. Okay, next. Uh, this was a name, a Cubs catcher, a name that I love to hear Harry Carey pronounce. Hector Villanueva. Hey, Hector. And uh, for that matter, it's just a name I like to say. Hector Villanueva. Absolutely. One of the best, one of the best last names there is. <laughs> Villanueva. You know, he really looks like Mike LaVallier. He's, he's spanky would be a perfect nickname for him. <laughs> I remember you're right. He's, he's got a, like like all of his facial features have been sucked into the middle of his face. They're really close together, and uh, but he's got a mustache. I got that going for me. Uh, Ninety one with Chicago, he appeared in seventy one games. He was always that uh, backup catcher. Hit two seventy six with thirteen home runs. Not bad. One forty three wow. OPS plus, and uh, that equates to two point two WAR plus the mustache will get me a two point three. And uh, that'll bring me up to 20 even. I'm running out of time here with just five cards left. All right. Okay, so I've got a highlights card here for a home run milestone. In 1991, it is Mark McGuire with his own. He's got that special rocket fuel as well. All right, let's see. So McGuire in 1991 was still with the A's. Uh, was an all-star this year, so I got that working for me. Uh, did not have a good year. Only 22 home runs, 75 RBI. Hit 201 with an OPS plus of 103. Rough season. So I'm not sure if he uh, if he missed out on all his shots this year. That's a 1.6 war. He was an all-star, so that'll bring me up to 2.1. And he's got that goatee, so that'll be 2.2. Uh, I fortunately cannot see his stirrups because we, we darn well know that he's got those two and ones on. Yeah. Okay, next I got a catcher for the Red Sox, John Marzano. John Marzano, didn't he play for a while? I believe he did. I'm wondering if, do you think Marzano's Italian? <laughs> uh, nickname's Johnny Mars. I like that. Yeah. Uh, also be a wrestler's nickname. Uh, 1991, appeared in 49 games. Uh, not a whole lot of pop. Ended up with a 64 OPS. He was in the big leagues for 10 years, by the way. And, a good uh, serviceable uh, backup catcher. Yeah, 91. Uh, only a .1 war. And uh, nothing on this card is going to get me anything else. So I don't know. Do you remember this? So John Marzano was on the Mariners in 1996 yes. and there was a big brawl with the Yankees at the Kingdome in August in which John Marzano became a cult hero when he threw a haymaker at Paul O'Neill. <laughs> I did not know that he is now on my cult hero list. <laughs> O'Neill complained to the umpire about a pitch uh, that he thought was high and inside and Marzano was tired of O'Neill, who of course never took a called strike that was an actual Never. strike and nope. uh, thusly resulted in a large brawl <laughs> for him all right uh next for atlanta i think that this i think it, i'm pretty sure this is the uh the francisco cabrera who had the big hit in postseason was was he the one that drove in sid bream or is he the one with a hit that got them to the playoffs i don't remember i think it was game seven i don't think that was the one that got him to the playoffs um, so 1991. Now I remember this because this was my freshman year in college. We were all huddled around a small TV in the dorms and, uh, the, the frats were pulling the uh, fire alarm to make us keep leaving in the, in the evening. And we would turn the TV out the window so we could watch the game outside the window. But, uh, Cabrera is the, uh, is the guy that hit that big three run home run off of Rob Dibble to tie it. And then the Braves eventually went on to, uh, to win the game in 13 innings. That was just during the regular season. And then uh, he's probably best known for his game-winning pinch hit off Stan Belinda in the seventh game of the NLCS that put the Braves into the World Series. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. I, I remember now. I just needed you to jog my memory. Good jogging. And that was Sid Bream, who eventually lumbered around to score there. 
<laughs> uh, but this is not going to get me much in the way of points. I can tell you right now, 94 OPS plus for the year and a war of minus 0.2. He's got real stirrups and he's got a mustache. So that is a wash. All right. I've got two cards left and I've got a ways to go. Uh, two guys that I really like, but I don't think they're going to do it for me. First, manager of my favorite team currently and the longest tenured manager in Major League Baseball. It's Bob Melvin here with the Orioles. So Bob Melvin played for 10 years. He was, uh, I'm not, I don't want to say he was a starter. He, the most games he ever appeared in was 93. In 91, mm. he appeared in 79. A 233 career hitter. He's basically your, your catcher at this point. You know, these guys weren't expected to hit much. They were mainly expected to manage that pitching staff. Uh, a minus 0.2 war and nothing on this card is going to get me anything. So Bob not helping me out there, of course gone on to be a much better manager than uh, than anything else another catcher manager he uh i remember him uh, managing the mariners in uh 2003 and they went 93 and 69 and then the next season a total turnaround 63 and 99 and bob ended up with the arizona diamondbacks after that uh let's see how long has he been i know he's been with the a's for 10 years now uh, let's see, he spent 10 years in the big leagues as a player, and he has now managed for 18 years. Wow. Not bad. Three-time manager of the year winner. All right, my final card is my favorite catcher of all time, who most of our listeners are going to know who that is, but are also going to know that that's not going to help me a whole lot, Terry Steinbach. Tiny. Uh, Steinbach in 1991. Uh, always the A's number one catcher, 274 average, six home runs, 67 RBI, 98 OPS plus, and that equals a war of 1.7. One of the rare catchers that does not wear real stirrups, and that's embarrassing, Terry. Uh, so that's going to take me down to a 1.6, and I will end up with a 23.6, 5.1 points behind you. So you've won another exhibition. Congratulations. Well, I got to admit, we're, we're trying to win these exhibition games. I know you're probably just on Fumes <laughs> Coast. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just uh, you know, sending guys out there. I want to see how they, how they look. That's my excuse. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap up another episode of Wax Packs Heroes. Like I said, we're going to try and narrow down uh, some of these rules here in the next week or so because we need to get into another regular season. But uh, that's also going to, we're going to start to wrap up this week's episode uh, if you want to get a hold of us during the week, we can be found on social media. We are at Two Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. That is at TWO Strike Noise. You can also find us on YouTube. I just put out a new Guess That Game, which was a lot of fun last week. Um, you can also find us on Twitch every now and then. I've got a couple of things that uh, I am preparing for us to do live on Twitch. So uh, follow us on Twitter because that's where I'm going to tell you when we're going live on Twitch and you can interact with us there uh also mark they can get a hold of us through our email address do you want to tell them how to do that sure you can write to us at two strike noise spell it out two strike noise at gmail.com it's a little old-fashioned but uh we still read them and, and respond old-fashioned yes we That's need to right. get a, we need to get a p.o box is what we really need to do <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a, a telegraph uh, we can or yeah. homing pigeon. We, there's a lot of things that are more old-timey. Than Many things. The yes. Pony Express, lots of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, I want to thank everybody again for joining us. Uh, we'll be back again next week. We hope you will, too, on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. 